0: Hello, and welcome to Bridging the Gap, Education Through Stories of Adoption. My name is Ryan Anderson, and I have the honor of being the host of this podcast. I'm really excited about this. Our mission is to educate people through stories of adoption. We love adoption, we love the orphan, and we hope to extend that same passion to you. If you have a story of adoption, have worked with any agencies regarding adoption, foster care, or the orphan crisis, or you know of someone with a story, we want to hear from you. Please email us at sharemyadoptionstory at gmail.com. With your interest, and we will respond as quick as we are able. Our first guest on Bridging the Gap is a good friend of mine, Madison Lisey. What's up, Madison?
1: Hello. Yeah,
0: super glad you're on the podcast, really thankful that you uh, are able to... Get on the podcast with us, so thank you. Uh, just a quick question. Hopefully, there's a long answer. Is can you just tell me the story? Your story of adoption.
1: Sure. So um, I am the oldest of four siblings. Well, five siblings, including myself, four younger ones. I have one biological brother and three younger siblings that are adopted from China. So Ella was adopted when I was ten. And then two years later, Lily was adopted. And then two years later, Noah was adopted. So each adoption was about two years apart. Um, the girls were both nine months old when they were adopted. And then Noah was three years old. When it comes to siblings being involved in adoption, it can definitely vary on the parents how much they want to involve the kids because it can be mm-hmm. a very emotional yeah. process. It involves a lot of emotion. Um Uh, My parents chose to involve my brother and I in every single step of the process. That's good. And so that was a really, really neat experience. When it came to interviews in our home, we were there. When it came to phone calls, we took them together as a family. Um, The first time we saw, uh, I remember Ella, we got her referral, which is basically when the agency matches you with a child. Mm -hmm. So the very, very first time that we... Got a picture of her. We were all gathered around the computer, and uh, Dad opened it up, and we saw her for the first time. Um, And it was so neat to be able to put a face to the name that we had been praying for for months because we named her Ella Grace months before. Before you even met her, before you even saw a picture of her. Yeah. Awesome. And then we got her picture, and we put it up on the fridge. And specifically that first adoption was uh, very very life-changing for me because I had been praying for a sister (laughs) for years and years and then being able to see her face and know that that's my sister and we're going to go get her and she's going to be part of our family forever was just so huge for me. Um, And so then we were able to go as a family to China uh, for Ella and Lily's trips. And that was so huge So, so huge. Being able to be there and be behind the camera videotaping Mm -hmm. when the orphanage director would hand them over to my parents and just being able to witness that and see that happen and see that love and how our family was just, like, instantly. One more I was added was so neat. Yeah, and then Noah's adoption. Uh, My dad and I took a missions trip back to Ella's orphanage four years after we adopted her and we met Noah there just a little kid was in the baby room but he was walking and he was walking around the cribs and would put the bottles that the babies had dropped out of their cribs back into Mm -hmm. the cribs and was just circling around and he really caught our eye so we took his paperwork back home to mom and They were like, all right. Yeah. (laughs) And so that started his adoption process. I definitely remember through Ella's adoption, the very first one, my parents, well, really our family had the mentality of what can we do to help a child out? Yeah. And that was really our sole mentality. And we didn't realize how much our hearts would change throughout the process, and you really learn how to love in a whole new way, your heart really changes. Um, And I also think that it's just like such a beautiful picture of the gospel. No doubt. Obviously, (laughs) how Christ loved us when we were broken, and we had no hope for a future. And just like these little babies that were coming into our family, they had nothing to give us. And yet we were still able to say, you know, we know your broken past and we know how that's going to affect our family and your, each of them have special needs. and
0: Each of your adopted siblings yes, do. Yes.
1: Ellen Lily had cleft lip and cleft palates. And so that was easily correctable. Noah has an issue with his bowel system. Um, and that's put a huge, huge strain on our family um just learning how it really affects how he lives day to day. Diet wise, the medicine yeah. he has to take. Um and so thankfully they're making some leaps and bounds forward now. But that has
0: Yeah, there's some unique challenges there.
1: Put a huge stress on our family for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yo, that's so awesome. I got goosebumps listening, honestly. Um I want to kind of key in here. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this question, but that's okay. (laughs) Uh, You mentioned that you're – I'm not even sure it's the question. I just want to address it. You mentioned that your family's um, kind of thinking as they were going into the process was, what can we do to help just one child out? Mm -hmm. A lot of times I have some friends who uh, have adopted quite a few times, I think five kids, Uh, And eat, you know, when they first, when you first start the adoption process, you're awfully giddy, right? You know, (laughs) you can help so many people out. Yep. And I remember her telling me after one of the trips um, that we it required a change in thought. Like going to those Mm -hmm. orphanages, uh, going to each and you know, in these terrible conditions, uh, you have to come back thinking, okay, I got to start with one. I got to start with one uh, child, and then Mm -hmm. it can go from there. Did you feel that like weighing on you when you, especially when you were in the Chinese orphanage?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You, you know, you walk in thinking, "Oh my gosh, I want to help all these kids, but I can only help one." How mm-hmm. hard is, how hard is that to process that?
1: Uh, very, very difficult. <laughs> I remember being in the orphanage when we, my dad and I, went on that missions trip, and just walking from crib to crib mm-hmm. and like picking up each little baby and holding them and crying and praying over them, just going crib to crib to crib, and just wanting to put them all in my suitcase and bring them back with me. Um, so that was very, very difficult. The problem of orphans just seems so overwhelming. Yep. Um, and almost like it's not fixable when you just think of yourself doing the job. Um, and so um, I remember my parents definitely had that weight on them. Um and so after each adoption they would just say, "Okay, one more."
0: <laughs> are they still saying that? One more or are they done?
1: Uh I'm wanting them to say that. I think they're done, oh. but I would love one yeah, more. <laughs> me
0: too. I'm trying to get my parents to adopt. Um Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, I think I, I wrestle with that too because, you know, I tell people all the time, "Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to grow up, get married and adopt 10 kids and have right. 10." Well, Half of me is joking, half of me is being (laughs) extremely serious, uh, you know, because I I just can't imagine the feeling of walking into some orphanage, orphanages where kids are treated extremely poorly, uh, have no chance at real, um, you know, like a real beautiful and Mm -hmm. fulfilling life, uh, and then only having to like, God, give me one of those. Yes. Oh my gosh, I feel like they'd be terrible.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so, I quick question. If you don't know this, it's okay. Where was, where was their orphanage? Well, I guess Ella and Noah's. Where was theirs?
1: Qingyang, China. And then Lily was... Lily actually has a crazy story. She was in a foster home in Guizhou. Okay. And she was fostered by a Christian missionary. Oh, wow. That she came into China about... I'm not sure how many years ago. Yeah. Quite a while ago. And she just fosters kids from the orphanage in her home until they get adopted and teaches them English, teaches them about the Lord. Um, This is an American lady? She's German. German lady. Yes. So. Yeah, that's cool. That is Lily's story. So very, very different from Ella and Noah's, for sure.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I was listening to you talk, and I also caught something else that was pretty compelling to me. This idea of... Uh, like family involvement mm-hmm. in the entire adoption. Um, and I was thinking about that and I think like, wow, like there's probably some intense conversations that you know some ten year old ears heard uh, or some uh, you know things that maybe maybe a ten year old could have waited. But I, I have the opinion, and I think you would agree with me in the opinion that uh, in the end, the journey seemed much more fulfilling because you had like a real part in it.
1: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think that's I think that's so awesome um, that you know your mom and dad saw this necessity that like you know there's also I have two biological kids that are also gonna like have to embrace some serious mm-hmm. life changes and you know also have some very unique challenges uh, in helping to raise these kids and also just being good. Mm-hmm older brother and sister to kids who have never had that, who also probably have a lower view of adult figures because they probably weren't treated too great by them to begin with. And so all to say, I think it's really beautiful that your parents saw that necessity uh, and said, we're going to make this a family thing. Um, and, And honestly, I'm not even sure, I'm not sure if that's the primary experience for most people. Um, I have no idea. I'm not, uh, I'm sure. I don't sure. think
1: it is. Yeah. I don't yeah. think so
0: either. In my experience, I think, you know, that it's like mom and dad, you know, and when the kid shows up, okay, kids, mm-hmm. you know, like time to assimilate, which is totally fine. That's not a bad approach at all. Uh, there's something really beautiful though. I think about, um, you know, bringing your family in and just saying, yeah, we're doing this together because then it, correct me if I'm wrong but it probably translates over to when that kid shows up like you you already have a love for this kid you you know you've seen their picture you've prayed over them you've probably cried over them without knowing you're crying over them right (laughs) and then they show up and it's like oh well they're already my sister they're already Mm -hmm. my brother Mm -hmm. and it's just something so beautiful about that so um what were some of the challenges of uh kind of Ella's the first adoption, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe think back to that and think, you know, okay, what were the challenges of uh, adopting someone? I'm assuming she couldn't speak English?
1: No, she couldn't. Yeah,
0: so some of those challenges, as as specifically as an older sibling.
1: Sure. Um, Ella's adjustment into our family was probably the easiest in some ways, and also the hardest. Mm -hmm. Um, She came with the most challenges, um, but also it was easier because it was the very first adoption, and mom and dad could focus solely on her um Mm. she came to us she had never been out of a crib in her life so she was 20 months old had lived in a crib um so she didn't know english or chinese she knew no no language oh wow she wasn't walking and she wasn't eating solid food so
0: wow that seems like quite the work in progress there it was
1: a very very hard situation um, and then she was very, very scared of, we're not sure what happened in the orphanage, if she, like, choked on something. Or How
0: old was she, by the way, when you adopted 20 her? 20 months. 20 months.
1: hmm Something had happened in the orphanage, we're not sure, that made her very, very fearful of anything going near her mouth other than a bottle. So. Wow. We uh, ended up getting some therapy for her, and the progress of her like very slowly putting things like a toothbrush in her mouth Mm -hmm. and little bits of food. um, That was a huge, yeah, that was a huge deal for her. Um, So that was very, very difficult. Um, And she also really dealt with an attachment disorder as well. Um, And something she's still working through. Absolutely. How old is she now? She's 10 now. Okay. Um, because she was left in a crib for yeah. her entire first 20 months of her life, she never had eye contact, physical touch, anything like that. So she didn't understand, her brain didn't understand what it was like to bond with somebody.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and she also didn't know how to, being like thrown into our family, where there's lots of noise and emotions, <laughs> she didn't know how to process people's, emotions. Yeah. So she would see someone get like super happy or super sad and she just like wouldn't know what to do with herself. Um and so that was really, really difficult to walk her through that. Lily on the other hand, because she came from the foster home and she was in that foster home since she was just a couple of days old. So she had bonded with this lady we call Mimi. Mm-hmm. She had bonded with Mimi. She knew what it was like to be loved. And so the, um, when she first came into our family, it was a little bit more difficult because she was leaving Mimi and coming into our family. But in the long run, she was able to attach to us much, much quicker. Um, Noah, he his, his was pretty easy other than his medical yeah. issue. Uh, I remember he was very, very fearful of water. When it came to showers or the pool, he would just scream and scream and scream. Um, but now he is the best swimmer in our family, and he's diving down to the bottom of the ten-foot pool. And <laughs>
0: how old is Noah now?
1: He is seven.
0: And then, Lily, how old is it, Lily?
1: Lily is eight. Yeah, eight. <laughs> and and then, then Elle is ten. Wow,
0: well, right next to each other, there.
1: Yes. They're super Her close. Your parents are going to have a handful. Which is fun. <laughs> Lily mm. and Noah are like best friends, so that's really sweet to watch.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So yeah. uh, a lot of times, you know, when I hear of, uh, actually, I've heard this one time from a good friend of mine who really kind of inspired a good couple who are great friends of mine, who really kind of inspired uh, my love for adoption. Um, she always classifies it as like a different kind of love. In terms of a parental perspective, you know, because you have a biological kid, and as soon as that kid, you know, comes out instantly loved, Mm -hmm. no doubt about it, you would give your life for that kid in a second. Yep. Because it's yours. You know, you made it, you have the baby. And she always, uh, they always classify the, the, when they, you know, adopted a kid as like a different kind of love. Like you're actually making a choice to love this kid Mm -hmm. because they're not biologically yours. Um, and I'm wondering what does that look like for the sibling? Um, because I think I read here that you said like it was an instant uh, almost instant kind of love when you held them for the first yes. time. And I guess more vulnerably, like were there seasons where you had to say like, I'm choosing to love you like you're making my heart life really hard right <laughs> now. You just changed my whole world but I'm choosing to love you. What did mm-hmm. that look like?
1: Yeah. Um, I think that, that love and that bond was definitely instant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think my parents would also say that, like you said, like when you give birth to a child, like that feeling of instant love, that's very, very similar. Yeah. Um, I think that the part choosing to love comes in when you start the adoption process and you're checking off that list of special needs And what special needs you're going to accept Mm -hmm. and which ones you're not going to. And you're kind of narrowing down that referral. And so you have a pretty good idea of what that child is going to come to you with. So you almost have that choice of love right then, like right before you get your referral, being like, all right, here's what our baby is going to have, the struggles they're going to have, what they're going to come with us, come to us with. All of that stuff. And you kind of have... You're very ready to give that love when you get that referral. Um, I think it also helps that you wait so long to get that referral. And so that anticipation yeah. also helps create that, that love and that excitement. Um, but I remember, like, first time seeing Ella's picture, just, like, instant love. Like, knowing, like, that's my sister. Like, that's my baby sister.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it helped that you were involved in the process the whole time.
1: Absolutely. I think that I'm very, very grateful for that. I don't know if it would have been the same yeah. if I wasn't. If all of a sudden, like mom and dad just brought her home through the door one day, and we're like, "Here's your sister." <laughs> like, I don't think I would have felt the same way. Yeah. Yeah. So that love was very, very instant for me.
0: That's good. That is. That's super good. All right. Here's the. Here's the swing at home question. Um, why? Why are you so passionate about adoption?
1: Yeah. Um, I think. That my passion for adoption really started when, well, of course, the first two adoptions, but there's something about the adoptions where obviously the Chinese people have pride in their country and they don't want, you know, mm-hmm. the Americans to
0: Americanize their culture, per se. Yeah.
1: For sure. Or just look down upon them. Mm-hmm. So they keep the details of the orphanage. On the down low, for sure. Especially when we go over there. I remember going over on the trip. We didn't see the orphanage. It wasn't the nannies that came to hand um, them off to us. It was the orphanage director, and the babies were in super nice outfits. And um, and that was just a very, very different story from when I went on a missions trip to back to Ella's orphanage. That's yeah. not what I saw at all. Um, so... The trips definitely stirred, ignited that passion. But it wasn't until I went back on that trip with my dad where I saw everything Mm -hmm. that I was like, oh, wow, like this is what this is what it is. And going from being on the one side of being back at home and waiting for a referral and thinking about, you know, where in China is this baby and who are we going to get matched with to then standing in the orphanage and like seeing all the babies And being like, oh, my word, all of these babies are waiting for referrals and families. Um, Just being able to visualize what that orphanage looked like really, really made me passionate um, for sure. And I think so many times we hear, like, that number, 153 million orphans. Mm -hmm. And it's just so hard to visualize each child until you actually see them. Specific... on that trip that made me so passionate, too, was we were able to be in contact with someone that was adopting a baby through America World Adoption, which is the agency that we used. Mm -hmm. And he told us that his baby was in the orphanage that we were going to. And so he sent us a picture, sent us his baby's file and said, if you can find her for us, like we would be so grateful. And so we took some stuff that him and his wife had put together to bring to their baby. And so we went searching for this baby in the orphanage and I found her
0: Mm.
1: in one of the cribs and being able to hold that baby and love that baby and give pictures and videos back to the family and knowing that like they were going to come pick her up in a couple months was so huge because I was able to like see that connection, like family referral and then see this baby and know that there was actually something being done. And that there's something that can be done, yeah. and it's just one at a time. So that that really ignited a passion in my heart for adoption. That specific instance.
0: Nice, and also another question I didn't tell you I was <laughs> going to ask you. So I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, and what does that look like for you? What What is that going to play itself out in ten sure. years? Like, why will this adoption passion matter, and what will it look like? Mm, Do you see where I'm going with that? Yes, I do. (laughs)
1: Um, It would be my dream to adopt several kids from all over, but specifically China. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I would love to have adopted babies in my family, for sure. And I would love adoption to be some part of my ministry, whether that's in a church or wherever I'm at in 10 years, starting up some sort of adoption care group, adoption ministry group for people to learn about adoption, for support for people who have adopted, stuff like that. I would love for that to be in my future. Or just even like raising money for people that are wanting to adopt and yeah. supporting them.
0: That's good. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, I think one of the the major reasons why we even hear adoption in the common vernacular nowadays is because of simple grassroots movements Mm -hmm. like that or people like yourself who want to do something like that and they just do something practical there's no need to start some huge organization or uh, you know adopt 50 kids there is a need though for people to just be talking about it Mm -hmm. and and educating each other through their own stories uh, and also being willing to be generous adoption is extremely expensive
1: absolutely Uh,
0: and so yeah i think that's that's so awesome and I'm encouraged by this story. I am super thankful that you were, were willing to share the story. And I want to give a quick shout-out to the agency that Madison's family used. It's America World Adoption Agency. Uh, their website is awaa.org. Um, and I actually did some digging on their website. And it looks like their mission uh, is to build families according to God's design of adoption while caring for vulnerable children around the world. Uh, and their vision is, America World desires for every adoptable orphan to be placed in a Christian home. I have to admit while I was reading that, I have to appreciate their tenacity. Uh, every adoptable orphan, whoa, like you're, you're holding yourself responsible for 153 million of them, I love it. And then lastly, uh, they, this is what they said on their website, uh, we believe God has given us as an agency the responsibility to do our de- to do our best to place orphans into safe and loving Christian homes where they'll be given the opportunity to know Jesus as their Savior and to be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and at first glance, it's super encouraging you know that they're not only looking to find a kid, a family, but they're looking to find a kid, a family in a home where. The love of their parents will actually be outmatched yes. by the love of the father, yes. uh, and that's awesome. There's a lot of agencies who also do that, but you know, AWA
1: <laughs> Yep,
0: <laughs> America World Adoption <laughs> Agency is doing great work, and uh, also super compelled to hear more about um, the idea of mission trips through their organization. I'm gonna even look go into going one of them myself. So, uh, thanks so much, Madison, for joining us uh, on today's podcast. I want to give you a, a, a quick cliffhanger. We'll actually be hopefully interviewing Madison's parents uh, in a few weeks uh, on their perspective, perspectives of this adoption as well. So thanks again, Madison. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>